right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome to the house. It's good to have everybody here in Florence. Can we show some love for our Lawrenceburg Faith Church family? Come on. It's so good to have you guys in the house up in the Berg. I want to welcome all of our VIPs. If this is your first time with us, either you are in person or watching online, we want to say welcome to, again, our digital audience, our live audience, man. So good to have you in the house. We said every week, come on, that we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. Wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, whatever your struggle, your issue, your heartache, your habit, your opportunity, if you'll invite Jesus to meet you where you are, it'll be the greatest decision, come on, that you've ever made. How many people believe that because you know it's true in your own life? Well, my name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor here at Faith Church. Excited, man, again, to be on this platform. Excited to lead us into God's Word because I believe with all of my heart that life change happens here because God's presence here. So, man, just open up your heart. I've not said this in a while, but, man, I would encourage you when you come, man, write something down. Open up, a, open up a notes on your phone. Jot down a few things maybe that God speaks to your heart that you can refer back to later. Don't just sit in it in the moment, man. Carry it with you in the week, and you'll be shocked again what God will do in your life. Amen? Well, listen... Uh, my mom is a heart patient. She's a heart patient. Several years ago, she was diagnosed with AFib, atrial fibrillation. And basically what that means is, is that the top part of her heart beats out of rhythm with the bottom part of her heart and creates all kinds of complications and problems. And so because she's been diagnosed as a heart patient, there's been different doctors who tried to help her heart get out of AFib They've done everything from medication to something um, called a cardio conversion, which multiple times she's gone into the hospital, and basically they try to shock her heart back into the right rhythm. Sounds like awesome, something awesome, doesn't it? And uh, that has not worked, so they've, they've uh, gone all the way to surgery, where they've gone in and tried to burn some, some of the nerve endings in her heart. So all of these things in order to try to get her heart healthy, to try to get it back in rhythm the way that it's supposed to be. Unfortunately, nothing at this point has helped, so it continues to beat out of rhythm. But here's what I want you to know today is that my mom is not the only heart patient. Did you know that all of us in this room, did you know that you are heart patients? Every one of you in Lawrenceburg, come on, we are all heart patients. Everybody watching online, come on, say it. Everyone say this. Say, I am a heart patient. We are heart patients. And so because of that, we're going to start a brand new series today entitled Transplants. And it's the idea that Jesus, he is known in Scripture as the great physician. Jesus is the spiritual surgeon. And one of the things that he offers to do in the hearts and the lives of people is Jesus comes and he gives transplants. Now, we're going to look at through this series several things that God offers to transplant in our spiritual journey, things that he takes out of us and things that he puts in us. And today, obviously, we're going to talk about the topic of the heart. What makes us heart patients? Why are we heart patients? Well, when you dig into it, first of all, you got to talk about what is the heart. Today, when we talk about the heart, we're not talking about the physical blood-pumping muscle in your chest that pumps and pushes over 2,000 gallons of blood through your circulatory system every single day. We're not talking about your physical heart. We're talking about your heart in the way that God talks about your heart. And when you turn into the pages of Scripture, God defines our hearts is the center of who we are. Your heart is the center of who you are. It's your heart that determines your, uh, your affections. It's your heart that determines your motivations. It's your heart that determines your actions. If you're taking notes, here's a big idea. All of me, the heart is the hub of our humanity. The heart, your heart in my heart, is the hub 
of our humanity. How you act, what you think, how you feel, all derives itself from the heart. And so ultimately, because the heart is so central, literally, to who we are, God obviously has a lot to say about the heart. And so I want to jump right into some things that Jesus had to say in this conversation. If you're taking notes, listen, it's Matthew chapter 12. And you can turn to it. I would encourage you, if you have a Bible, you have a digital device, Lawrenceburg, Florence, you can flip there. If not, you can obviously follow along on the Jumbotron. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says right out of the gate, he says, a tree is identified by what? Come on, y'all got to step your game up. I brought my game. Did you bring your game? A tree is identified by what? It's fruit. What Jesus is talking about is biology 101. This is a basic entry-level conversation to earth science. Anybody remember earth science, seventh grade, eighth grade? Part of our earth science project back in the day was to learn to identify trees. And one of the ways you learn to identify a tree is to identify the leaf. Come on, some of you remember this. Is it is it a simple leaf? Is it compound? Is it big? Is it small? If it's compound, are the leaves alternate or the opposite? Come on, anybody remember this? And you could like try to figure out what kind of leaf it was to determine what kind of tree it was. Or you could look at the bark. What kind of bark did it have? And Jesus cuts right to the quick. He's like, come on, man, y'all taking the long, y'all taking the long way. Let me give you a short, shortcut. If it's a fruit tree, all you have to do to determine what kind of tree it is to look at what? Look at the fruit. If you're looking at a fruit tree and it's got apples, it's a what kind of tree? If you see some oranges, it's a, if you see a pear, it's a, so Jesus said a tree is identified by its fruit. Really simple. Nobody pushes back against that. We all agree with that. But the the genius of Jesus and his teaching is, again, he would take simple things that in the everyday world people understood, and he would flip the script to help us understand spiritual principles. And so Jesus, right out of this idea that we all get, we all understand that a tree is identified by its fruit, Jesus digs a little deeper and gets into the issue of our hearts. Listen to what he says. He says, if a tree is good, its fruit will be good. And if a tree is bad, its fruit will be will be bad. Watch this. For whatever's in your heart determines what you say. So right like that, he went from talking about trees to talking about people. And he says, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of a evil heart. So Jesus, here's the idea. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, when you see a tree, you can identify what kind of tree it is by the fruit. He says the same thing is true about people. You can identify the quality of a person by the quality of their character that you see displayed in their life, that the actions of our life are the fruit of our life. Are you all hearing that? This is a really, really big idea because he he goes a little deeper. He doesn't just talk about the fruit because it's not just the fruit that's important. Jesus says, hey, you can look at somebody and you can determine. Now, this is not us to to be hypercritical of each other. This is more importantly for you to use as a mirror than a magnifying glass. Jesus says, when you look at somebody, when you look at yourself, you can know something about yourself by how you act, what you say, how you behave, how you carry your life. That if you have fruit in your life that's good, it defines that you're a good person. If you got some stuff in your life that doesn't belong and it's consistently showing up on the branches of your life, let's go somebody, then you got some heart issues. If you're taking notes, this is big. He says, while the fruit defines the tree, 
While the fruit defines the tree, it's the root that determines the fruit. Come on, somebody. He's saying, right, your, your, your actions are the fruit, but your heart is the root. Now, this is going to sound real. It's going to sound like a matter of semantics, and it's not. I want you all to listen to this. Apple trees don't have apples because they're apple trees. Apple trees have apples because they're apple trees. Y'all, see, the, the difference is if something is an apple tree, it will have apples. It's one of, and what Jesus is saying is when you dial back where you are and what's going on in your life, he's saying you can, you can make excuses and just say, well, that was just a bad day. I just had a rough season. That's just, like, that's just how I came up. Jesus said, no, if you really want to dig down to what's going on in your life, don't just look at the outside. The outside really exposes the inside. It's not really the external. It's really the internal. And what's crazy is as church people, as religious people, we get all hung up and get our, get our panties in a bunch because of external stuff. And Jesus is like, yeah, external stuff counts because external stuff reveals internal stuff. But the real issue isn't the external stuff. It's, the inter- it's, it's your heart. It's your heart. Which means this. Watch this. Heart problems ultimately create life problems. Jesus says, you want to know what's going on in this world? Jesus is saying it's all about the heart. Behind every problem that we have in our homes... Behind every problem we have in culture, behind every problem we have in humanity, or at least the majority, behind the problems we experience on a daily basis, behind every hurt and habit and hang-up is the heart. It's heart problems. Think about this. If your kid's getting bullied in school, he doesn't have a bully problem. He's dealing with somebody that has a heart problem. We don't have racism problems. We have heart problems. We don't have marriage problems. We have heart problems. Come on, y'all hear what I'm saying? Like, your problem is not with your uncle. The problem is either they have a heart problem or you have a heart problem or we have a heart problem. So Jesus is saying, like, we keep trying to see what's going on out here, and the issue is what's where? It's on the inside. He's saying the, matter of the, the heart of the matter is the matter of the, the heart. And that's why, come on, I'm thankful that Jesus, he is the spiritual surgeon that offers to come and give us a brand new heart. Let's go, somebody. So Jesus is basically, again, he's clarifying the problem that that we have and that we experience. Again, it's an issue of what's on the inside. It's an issue of the hub of our humanity. It is a heart issue. It's a heart problem. And again, all the problems we have goes back to the issue of the heart. In fact, Jesus gives a very specific example in case you're not clear. And it's something, again, I think we can all jump on board with pretty quick. He says this, he says, out of, in the translation I, I memorized as a, as a young, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He's saying, really what's coming out of your mouth, you don't have a word problem, you have a heart problem. Come on, that's, this, that's the fruit, but the fruit's coming out of the root. I don't know if anybody remember this happened again. I'm a, I'm a big NBA fan. Let's go LeBron James, GOAT status. I don't care what you say. I got a right to my opinion. I can't help you all are wrong. You'll come around one day. So I'm a big NBA fan, and I remember 2014. This guy by the name of Mr. Sterling, he was at that time the owner and general manager of the Los Angeles Clippers. For all intents and purposes, he was a wise businessman. He was a good owner, ran at that time a, a consistently losing team, but they were turning the corner. They were coming up. 
At that time, right, they were just now starting to get into championship status. The, the Clippers were turning the corner. However, some of you might remember this. In the middle of all of this, in the middle of this pretty good business guy, multimillionaire, a girlfriend he was dating at the time captured some audio that he was speaking behind closed doors that were absolutely outrageous and covered from end to end in this conversation of racism. Crazy. And ultimately, he, it caused him to lose his team. He had to sell his share, had to walk out, and was disgraced. Now, here's what's crazy is he was never known as being a racist outside of these closed doors. But once he got behind closed doors, he was as racist as the day is long. And you know what Jesus would say? Jesus would say, no, that's just not, that's, that's not a one-in-a-lifetime thing. That's really who he is. Because if we're all honest, we all know we have heart problems, and our solution to heart problems is to, is to cover it up and try to filter it and make it go away. Right? We try to cover up our, like, who that guy was when that fruit showed up behind closed doors is who he really was. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Come on, how many, how many people we got in this room that like to gossip? Come on, wave your hand. Oh, come on, someone's doing some gossiping around here. Some of you don't have Facebook, you got gossip book. Gossip, I mean, I think a lot of people have gone down the slippery slope of gossip, but some of you, it's your MO. And Jesus would say, you don't have a gossip problem, you have a heart problem. And here's what's crazy, what makes gossip gossip is you don't tell everybody, you just tell a select few. And because we know gossip shouldn't be spoken, we shouldn't spread rumors, we shouldn't tell lies, we shouldn't slander, we shouldn't backbite, we shouldn't talk behind people's backs. We know that, but you know what we do? We don't change it. All we do is we try to cover it up. And if we get exposed, we make the group smaller. Come on, hey man, did you hear? We just change the value. We just talk a because we want some people to know, we just don't want everybody. And Jesus is saying, if you got a gossip problem, you don't have a word problem. You have a, come on, everybody, say, you have a heart problem. And you would say, when, when Sterling, when that came out, that recording came out, people are like, oh, I didn't never seen that coming. Jesus was like, it was there all along. He was just filtering it. Anybody here, you know somebody, or Lawrenceburg, have you ever heard the story of somebody that, like, this, 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 this girl, she dated this guy, and, like, they were, he was this incredible dude. He was, had all kinds of things in order. He was a gentleman, man. He loved her, respected her. And then all of a sudden, they got married, and right after they got married, they moved in together. This guy just changed on a dime, and she would tell you stories, man, like, he just has this anger problem. He's punching holes in the wall, and he's yelling, and he's violent. And, like, I've never seen this coming. Anybody here ever hear a story like, like, where did that come from? You know what Jesus would say? It was there all along. He just learned how to filter it in the dating phase, and it came out who he really was in the marriage phase. Come on, it's the same thing when we take group pictures with our family, and we got to have somebody take 27 pictures to get the picture we want to post on Facebook because we don't want everybody else to see the chaos of what we call family. Come on. The first picture is the real family. You're looking at your kids saying, if you move one more time, I will kill you and make another one look just like you. Stand still. I said smile. Cry. You better not cry. You better put a smile on your face. Kids are like, eh. <laughs> And we post this picture. The real family is the family that fought for 27 minutes to get the one picture. And Jesus is saying, right, come on, you got a heart problem. When you show up and you got one behavior on Sunday and you got a different behavior on Monday, when you got one lifestyle on the Lord's Day and a different lifestyle the rest of the week, Jesus is saying all you're doing is filtering. You really have a heart problem. And so what we've learned to do in culture is, is we've learned to kind of gloss it over and cover it up. And so 
I hear people say this, fake it till you make it. Come on, if you're taking notes, you can't fake it. You need to fix it. We keep faking our problems. We keep glazing them over and covering them up. And we don't really let people know how we feel unless we're comfortable and it's in a small circle. And we don't let people know our problems. We don't let people know we have these issues. And Jesus is saying, you can try to hide the fruit all you want, but at the end of the day, that fruit's going to expose itself because it's not a fruit issue. It's a root issue. It's not an action issue. Come on, it's a lifestyle issue. It's not a habit issue. It's a heart issue. Listen to what the word says. A couple verses here I think are pretty important. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Come on, we're all heart patients. Jesus isn't talking about, see, see, when we read verses like that, people start thinking about somebody that applies. Oh, I know who you're talking about, Pastor. Uh Uh-huh, he is. Oh, you better believe she is. In fact, I'm going to eat, I'm going (laughs) to... I'm going to post this verse, and I'm not going to tag her, but she'll know when she reads it. <laughs> Come on, some of you need to stop posting scriptures as your personal ammunition against people you disagree with. I hope she reads it. I'll tag it and delete it so it still shows up she was tagged, but it's not there. See, I got you. <laughs> no, he's not talking about their heart. God's word is talking about our heart, that our heart, the heart of humanity, the hub of humanity is deceitfully wicked. Matthew 15, verse 19, for from the heart, this is what Jesus said, for from where? The heart. Come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. So how do we fix it? If it's a heart issue, well, here's what religion will tell you to do. Religion will tell you again to try to adjust the outside, to change the outside, to fix the outside. And that's why in the, in, the, in the New Testament, when Jesus is talking to religious teachers, the religious teachers are saying, hey, be careful what you say. Be careful how you behave. Religion is behavior modification. And while you can modify your behavior for a season, the real you will always come out. Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like the real you will eventually spill over. And so Jesus comes along and Jesus says things like this. He says, he says you've heard it say, don't commit adultery. He was like, yeah, I've never committed adultery. And Jesus gets to the issue of the heart. He says, but I tell you, if you've looked at a person with lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. It's not a sex issue. It's a heart issue. He says, you heard it say, don't murder. Some of you are like, boy, I wanted to kill him. But I held back. I did good, didn't I, Jesus? Jesus is like, you've heard it say, don't commit adultery. But Jesus said, if you've hated a brother or sister in your heart, you've already committed murder. So while you maybe didn't pull the knife out, of your back pocket and stick it in their rear end. He's saying when you thought about it and you felt that way and you talked about them, he said you might as well have did it. Only difference is you didn't go to prison because it's an issue of, come on somebody, it's an issue of the heart. And so Jesus keeps bringing it back to the issue of the heart. If you're taking notes, our solution is to change the fruit. God's solution is to change the root. Come on, is anybody here thankful? that God deals with the issue of the heart, which means if you're in this place and maybe you're struggling with this idea of, man, you've been wrestling with this this personality you have, you've been wrestling with this habit you have or this addiction or this struggle, 
I want you to know that God will step into your situation and God won't just help you modify your behavior. Jesus won't help you just change your habits. Jesus won't just help you deal with the external. The wonderful thing about the God we serve is he is the spiritual surgeon. He is the great physician and he will step into your life, step into your marriage, step into your heart, step into your home. He will step into our nation and step into our world if we let him and he will change it from the inside out. Come on, he will give us heart transplants. Here's what the word says. Listen to this. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. Here is God's promise to you. He says, and I will give you, come on, every voice, Lawrenceburg, come on, Florence, everybody online, let's read this together. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Come on, is anybody thankful for a God who's about the heart transplant? He says, for everybody that recognizes that you are really a heart patient, God has the solution. Again, it's not to change the fruit, it's to change the root. It's to deal with the heart of the matter. And God promises us that he'll come in and he'll take out your old heart that's creating the real issues. And he'll put in you a brand new heart. That is what salvation is really all about. When God's word tells us, he calls us to be born again. When we come to Jesus and we put our faith in Christ that ultimately we recognize that Jesus came as God's son. He stepped onto this dusty earth. He lived a perfect life. He died a perfect sacrifice and three days later rose from the dead. When you put your faith in Jesus in that moment, your faith accesses his grace and his grace transforms your heart. That's how you get a transplant is by putting your hope and your trust in Jesus. Let's go somebody. A heart transplant. And he says, I'll take out your old stony, stubborn heart. Let's go. He says, I'll put in you a responsive heart. I'll put in you a heart of flesh. Come on, y'all remember when you first started coming to church? Listen, this isn't for everybody. Some of you grew up in church. Anybody remember when you first started coming to church and you had a stony, stubborn heart? He's like, I just wish that path. He better not say that. And you sat there with your arm. Maybe they weren't folded, but mentally they were folded. And you hated every second. And you, man, didn't like it. And when it was over, you was glad it was over. I just started going to church to try to get a girl. I got a wife and I got life changed through it. Come on, I came out the better end of that half. Let's go. And I remember sitting in church like I was miserable. I didn't like any of it. And then God started changing my Man, all of a sudden I started singing, started getting a little hop going on, started lifting my hands, started reading God's word, started changing. And eventually, because God started changing my, my heart, because God started dealing with the root, you know what, started, what else started to change? The fruit. Because when God deals with the inside, it will inevitably outflow to the outside. If God changes the internal, it will inevitably change the external. And so if you're here and you're like, Pastor Steve, like, hey, I, I need a heart transplant. I got some issues I'm wrestling with. I've got some things going on in my, on my life. Or at the end of the day, you just recognize you don't have a relationship with Jesus. There's nothing you can do. You can fake it, but you can't fix it. But if you'll come surrender to Jesus, he will meet you where you are, and he will take out that old heart. And our spiritual surgeon, Jesus, will put in you a brand new heart. Come on, heart transplants in Jesus' name. Now, here's the crazy thing is a lot of us, maybe in this room, we've experienced that transition. You can remember a time in your life the same way I can remember a time in my life that I had that stony heart. I had a stubborn, rock-solid heart. And I can remember the moment that Jesus gave me a heart transplant. I can remember the moment that I gave my life to Christ. And God did something radically. It changed the way I saw my world. It changed the way I experienced God's presence. It changed everything about me. And like me, many of you, you can remember that moment where you were saved, where you had a salvation experience, where you were born again.
And again, if you've never experienced that, man, today, whether you're watching online or Lawrenceburg or Florence, is a great opportunity for you to surrender to the spiritual surgeon. But what I want to talk about for the back half of this message is this idea right here, is that even new hearts can harden. Did you know that, that the reason we are all heart patients, even if you've had a heart transplant, even if you've been born again and you have a relationship with God, did you know that your new heart can still harden? Come on, did you know that you can get stubborn towards people? Did you know that, that when we talk about a hard heart, we talk about that idea, that means that you can get a bad attitude towards people, that you can get this feeling anywhere you, where you don't have the feeling anymore? Listen to what God's Word says. This is so powerful. In Hebrews chapter 3, listen to this. This idea of hardened hearts, you see it all over the New Testament. Paul warns us several times. Paul tells us that if you allow your heart to get hardened, that God will give you over to a reprobate mind. God will just say, listen, if that's what you want to feel and that's what you want to think, okay. Paul tells young Timothy, this pastor, he says, be careful that you don't get a seared conscience. Jesus is walking with his, his disciples one time, and he warns them against their hearts being hardened. So you can love Jesus, and if you're not careful, if you don't guard your heart, your new heart can get hardened. Listen to this. The writer of Hebrews gives us this challenge on the idea of our hearts being hardened. He says, this is why the Holy Spirit says, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled and when they tested me in the wilderness. Now, the, the writer of this book is referring back to what was very common to the people who read this for the first time. While this might be a little foreign to us, the writer of Hebrews is referring to the nation of Israel coming out of Egypt as slaves. And he's saying, remember how God provided, God did miracles, God whooped Pharaoh's rear end so you could get out of Egypt. Remember how God provided miracles in the wilderness, God fed you, uh, God fed you with quail, God fed you with, uh, with, with manna from heaven, how God fought your battles, how God led you. He said, remember everything God did for you? He says, but there were times that even though God was so clearly moving and changing their lives, he said they refused to recognize it was God. He said, and their hearts started to get hard. He said, don't be like them. Don't be like people that God is showing up in your life and you refuse to recognize it's him. And he goes on, he says this. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning away from the living God. Now, he's talking to people who love Jesus here. He's talking to, to people who have a relationship with Christ. And he says this, you must warn each other every day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. So the challenge is he's saying, hey, be careful that you don't get a hardened heart, a calloused heart. We got any, anybody in this house that got calluses on your hands? Where's, where's all my blue collar people? You got some calluses on your hand? You know where calluses come from? Calluses come from when you get enough friction and you get enough work in your hands or whatever part of your body ultimately tries to protect itself against pain. So it starts to build up layers of skin and it builds a callus. I have, um, I'm going to be honest, I have some baby soft feet. Can I just tell you all that? I know some people don't like feet. Baby soft. I never, in our own house, I don't know if anybody else is this way, I wear shoes. When I wake up in the morning, uh, I put on shoes. Anybody else like me, like, I mean, I have shoes on all the time. I sleep in them. Just literally never take them off. I just don't like walking around barefoot. It's just not my thing. 
And so my feet are baby soft on the bottom. And if I have to walk or anything, I say this to my wife and then she, I, like I can, you ever confess something to your wife and then she shames you with it? Like you're trying to be vulnerable and then they throw it back on you. <laughs> so I've told my wife, I have, I have sissy feet. I have a baby mouth and sissy feet. Like I, anything that's too hot, like I just can't drink it. Anything that's too rough on my feet, I can't stand on it. So like where the average person could take off their shoes and go outside and walk around, like I have no calluses on my feet. They're very tender. Several years ago, we went to the beach and I, first time I probably had my shoes off in forever, we're down on the sand. I can barely even, the sun, for the love of Jesus, it was like hot lava on the beach. I'm like, baby, I'll carry the cooler, you carry me. Like down to the beach and we're down there hanging out. And somebody has a Frisbee or a football. Everybody gets athletic on the beach. You don't throw anything all year round along. All of a sudden, you're in front of the water, and you think you are somebody. And so everybody starts throwing stuff. So I don't remember, again, Frisbee football. But I'm telling you, for like five minutes, because the wind was blowing, it never goes where you want it to go. You always got to chase it. It's a workout, and like it's fun plus a workout. So I'm chasing this thing all over the beach. I was only on the beach for about five minutes, and I sat down. And on the balls of my feet, I had huge blood blisters. The beach kicked my rear end. I went to the beach and lost. Like, that's what happened. Why? Because I just don't have any calluses on my feet. Like, there's this tendon. So anything in that situation, any time my feet touch it, like, I sense it. What God is saying is that you need to have that kind of heart. You need to have a sensitive heart that when the whisper of the Holy Spirit comes, when God tries to direct your life, when a friend tries to come in and give you wisdom, that you don't have a hardened heart that you miss how God is trying to speak to you, use you, bless you, or direct you, but you are vulnerable and you are able to hear it and receive it and move with the direction of the Holy Spirit. So he says, hey, be careful. He says, because when you come to Jesus and God gives you a transplant, remember what he said in Ezekiel, he said he takes out that stony heart and he puts in a heart of flesh. All of a sudden, come on, do y'all remember what it was like to start hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit? We're going to talk about this in an ear transplant in a few weeks. Remember what it was like to start sensing God moving in your life, God giving you direction? He says, don't lose that. Don't get saved so long and don't be in church so long that you lose a sensitivity in your life. Make sure that you don't allow calluses to build up on your heart, that you start veering off track and you miss the direction that God wants you to go. He says, and one of the ways you do that is you start warning each other every day. Hey, how's your heart? And he gives us three things real quick, three things. I want you to write them down. This is three of the ways that a new heart can get hardened. Number one is rebellion. Rebellion. Everybody say rebellion. Come on, you remember what rebellion was like as a teenager? Your parents would tell you what to do, and you go do the exact opposite. There's a kid I ran with in school, in, uh, when I was a teenager, and my mom literally hated him. And so I'd have to lie anytime I was hanging out with him. I could never say, this is who I'm going to hang out with, because my mom would not want me to go or not let me go. And so we ended up becoming pretty good friends for several years. And, I mean, this dude was, has been in and out of prison. I mean, he really was a bad, it's a bad influence. He was the kid that pierced my ear in the backyard with, come on, a dirty needle and some ice. Come on, y'all going to. I read a thing. It's a, it costs, someone said their daughter, they took their daughter to get their ears pierced. It costs $100. I'm like, come to my house. I can do that junk for free. My mom told me she's seen this friend of mine uh, just recently at a grocery store. And my mom is rehashing the conversation. And this guy, he's grown up now. Obviously, man, he's outgrown a lot of that stuff. But it's like, Mrs. Husky, it's so good to see you. And my mom, this is what my mom told me. She's like, I used to always tell Stephen to stay away from you, that she was bad news. (laughs) (laughs) 
Why? Because when I would get with him, at the end of the day, it wasn't his heart, it was my own heart, but a heart of rebellion. When regardless of what my parents would say, come on, we've all been there, we've gone the opposite direction, we have employers who tell us what to do, and we just push back and we go the opposite direction. God says he wants to lead and direct your life, and every time you tell God no, it builds up a layer of callous on your heart that makes it harder to hear God's direction the next time. See, what we have in the world is we have all these people that want God to tell them what to do when they want to know what to do, but you don't want to listen when God's telling you what you don't want to hear. But God says if you'll get in the pattern of trusting him and knowing him and knowing that he always has the best for you, you can surrender to his wisdom when it comes that'll make it easier the next time you need wisdom that you can hear the voice of the spirit. But when you get rebellious, it creates calluses on our hearts. It's time to cut the callus off. The second thing that he identifies in this that can create hardness in a new heart is doubt. He says, again, if you're not careful, you will get an evil and an unbelieving heart. Now, just so we're clear, I, um, I have been reading the Bible. As soon as I got saved, I started reading God's word because I wanted to know what does God have to say. And I, I made the mistake of reading a King James and starting the book of Genesis. Don't do that. I was like, I don't even know what I'm reading, but I guess God said this. But man, I started reading God's word, reading God's word, have been a student of God's word for about 30 years. I just finished my master's. I'm in the middle of my PhD. I still have questions. I don't know it all. You can ask me questions. I say, I don't, I don't know. I give you my opinion. When we talk about doubt, I'm not talking about that it's not reasonable for us as humans sometimes to wonder, to question, and even say, I don't know. What God's word is talking about is when you allow your life to live in a pattern of doubt, a pattern where you just refuse to recognize, a pattern where you just don't believe, I just don't believe. And God says the more you continue to allow doubt to dwell, the more you allow doubt to dwell, the more it will harden your heart. And so he's saying, listen, if you are in a person where you're rebellious or you're doubting, this kind of continued pattern of doubting. He says it will continue to cause your heart to harden. Don't matter how much you used to love Jesus, you will eventually get off of the path because you can no longer hear the voice. And the third thing, real quick, is pride. Is pride. See, rebellion says, my heart doesn't honor you. Doubt says, my heart doesn't believe you. Pride says, my heart doesn't surrender to you. I, I know better, God. I'll do it my way. And even when he says that we should warn each other, I'm a big, big advocate. I'm almost done. I'm a big advocate. You shouldn't just let anybody speak into your life. What I have found out in this world is that everybody has an opinion. And most of them are uneducated and ill-informed. And while most of them are well-intentioned, if I can be so blunt, most of them are ignorant. You don't know me. You don't really know my marriage. You don't really know my situation. While I appreciate your good intention, probably the instruction you're trying to give me will probably put me in a, in a worse situation. However, there are those one people who really know you, who really knows your struggle, and who have real insight on the situation you're doing. And so if you're having some money problems and somebody that knows your money issues and they're successful with finances or trying to give you wisdom, you might... Come on, somebody, you might want to lean into that. 
if you're having marriage problems and you know somebody that's had a killer marriage, they got a great marriage that you look up to and they've survived and man, their marriage is strong for 30 years and they're friends with you and they're trying to give you some marriage advice, you might want to listen to that. Now the dude who's gone like, he's like on his fourth wife and he ain't even married now, he's living with somebody, you probably not should listen to that person. Come on, somebody. But God's saying, listen, we're in this thing together. And as we run together this journey, as we walk out this life, he's saying we need to be in each other's ears. We're, we're warning each other. And he says, when you refuse to hear the warning, like you ain't nobody, I don't need to listen to you. He says, when you allow pride to get in your way, he says, pride doesn't just shut that person off. Pride shuts you off from that person. And he says, so be careful that your heart doesn't get hardened. Be careful. Everybody probably in this room, everybody in Lawrenceburg, we all got that drawer in our house. You know the drawer that has all the stuff that we don't know where else to put it? Anybody got that? You got to clean it out every now and then so you can just get it closed. In that drawer, if I can go to your house right now, you're going to find some lighters or matches because some of you still smoke, but that's a different. Candles. There's going to be some batteries in it. There's like one 9-volt, two double A's, and like three. Tri- like there's going to be some batteries in it. There's always a couple pens. Half of them don't work. There's a couple notepads, like one from the doctor's office that you stole. It's got a prescription on the top. Not four prescriptions. That's different. I'm sorry, Dr. Paul. If you stole a prescription pad, you're going to prison. But in that, in that drawer, there's always, here it is. You ready? I, if I came to your house, it's in there. There is a bottle, a little bottle or a little thing of super glue. Oh, y'all like, he's been up in my house. No, I got it in my house too. Now, here's what I know is. Is some of you, the last time you use, see, you don't need super glue every day, but there's those times. And the last time you used the super glue, you didn't put the lid on right. And now the next time you need super glue, you don't have super glue, you got super rock. <laughs> Do you know what happened? You allow the atmosphere, because you didn't, you didn't secure it, you didn't guard it. You allowed the atmosphere to impact the product. And now it's hard and it's of no value. And Jesus says, you need to be careful. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for it determines the direction of your life. And some of you have just exposed your heart to rebellion and to doubt and to pride. He says, the more you allow your heart to get exposed, it just causes it to get hard. That the next time you really need your heart to be there, it's always there, but the next time you really need it to be there, it'll be hardened. And so if you're here and you need a heart transplant, whether you have one a long time ago, man, Jesus met you and you gave your life to Christ and he took out your stony heart and put in a brand new one. Or maybe here and you can be really honest and say, Pastor, I love Jesus, but there's an area of my life, man, he was speaking to me and I just kept saying no. I kept stiff arming Christ. And you know sitting here, man, you have just become hard in your heart towards a person, towards a situation, and more importantly, towards God. If you're here and you say, Pastor C-Man, today, as you share this, I need a heart transplant. I want you to lift a hand real high. You're here, maybe your heart's a little hard, and you just want God to come and put in a brand new heart. So, Heavenly Father, we come in the name of Jesus. Will you all stand to your feet as we close? Come on. Can we just lift our hands as a sign, maybe a surrender if you're comfortable? Jesus, will you, will you do what you said you would do? Lord, it's, it's beyond sometimes even our understanding, but your promise is to take an old, stony, rock-solid, stubborn heart out and to put in a brand-new, sensitive heart 
And so, Lord, I pray, God, for some of us that have never had this experience, that we would just say, Jesus, will you save us? Will you forgive us of our sin? We put all of our hope in you. And for the rest of us, God, our heart is steadily growing more and more hard. God, will you come and will you cut off the callus? And will you make us sensitive to your presence in our life once again? And we love you and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, can we honor the Lord today?